Do you ever feel like there's something kind of blocking you from that next level of success that you truly desire? Well, if you answered yes to that question, you're going to want to listen to this entire podcast interview with my good friend, Aaron Velke. Aaron is a transformational coach and one of the best that I've seen. I've been a part of his coaching programs and he's drastically improved my life and helped me starting to shed those old layers that are holding me back in addition to helping me with my financial IQ. And these are all things that Aaron is an absolute expert in. So you're not going to want to miss this episode because this is what's really going to help you take yourself to the next level, even if you don't realize what's actually blocking you. So before we jump into that, I just want to let you know about Just Grow Visions. If you're looking to reprogram your mind so that you can eliminate those subconscious blocks that are holding you back that maybe you don't even know about, but there's just something that doesn't seem like it's clicking and maybe you have fear or procrastination. Well, if you have any of that and that piques your interest and you really want to take your game to the next level, head on over to justgrowvisions.com or help you out. But without further ado, let's jump to this interview with Aaron Velke. And we ended up uh, agreeing here. So it just was kind of a, a merge of life events plus a little bit of discovery that happened to be around the same time. Pretty interesting. Wild. I find it really interesting how everyone gets here. Yeah, same. Everyone has a wild story on how they got to Scottsdale or just the Valley area. And myself included, it was really interesting. It's like spur of the moment. But I think without even knowing it, it was kind of an intuitive decision. Yeah, yeah, that's how I felt. Yeah. And I feel that that's, the, I mean, there's, there's an abundance of incredible people here. No doubt. There's also a, because people are from all over, there's an openness that I've not found in many other cities. Interesting. Um, and I've spent a lot of time in other cities. I've not lived there, but e even anywhere on the East Coast, there's, a, there's almost a transactional forefront mm. in your connection, right? It's like, who are you? Can you help me? Can, especially in like DC, like, man. So to be here and have people approach differently is, is really refreshing. Yeah. It's really cool. I've enjoyed that. We'll set a timer cool. just so we can stay on, on course. <laughs> That's a good idea. Do it for 45 minutes. Sweet. And that'll just kind of give us a cue to start wrapping it up. Cool. Thanks for being here, dude. Happy to be here, man. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I, uh, someone, I, I space who it was now at the red carpet, like what, what was that? Like a, it was like a holiday. Oh yeah. Was it the mansion one? No, the, it was before that. It was like, in, I want to say November. Nice. Um, at schmooze. Yeah. And someone came up to me and they're like, you gotta, you gotta meet Aaron. He, he would be a great person to have on the podcast. And um, we met very briefly that night. Yep. And then um, checked the email from AZE, and I saw that your name was on there. I was like, oh, cool. So I plug started plugging into the coaching, and then, you know, we've gotten to catch up at a few of the events, and I, you know, obviously just get a really good vibe from you, man. And Thank you. Uh, I resonate with you a lot. I think we have a, a lot of synergy without Same. even, like, 
having that much communication, I think we're both on a very similar vibe. So yeah, um, we knew that it was just a matter of time before we got to <laughs> sit down. Oh, a couple months. <laughs> but you know, that's it's all in due timing, right? You know. Yeah, yeah. And being patient is not easy in business, but I appreciate how patient you've been to to get here. <laughs> Dude, I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's such a balance because. I'm noticing that more and more all the time is like we just said, there's an abundance of amazing people here. And I, I love connecting with people like this. This is my jam right here. Yep. Uh, at the same time, it's just like you're playing the time game. Yeah. And it's like figuring out where are the priorities and who is the priorities at that moment. Um, yeah, it's just like this, this constant game of like pouring into yourself and then being around the right types of people uh, and then growing business, growing relationships, growing all the things. Yeah, man, I've, I resonate with the time game. You know, there's a, I think there's a point in entrepreneurship where you start playing more for time than money. They're, they're both critically important because they sort of feed off each other. But there's a point where the resource game of time becomes more paramount than the resource game of money because there's an an unlimited amount of money an abundance of money Mm -hmm. and even as the value of your time goes up and therefore more money comes in as the value of your time goes up you also get caught in the paradigm of well if i just work more and make more what what am i doing what what game am i playing so the the question starts to to be asked what do i want to do right if I can make the same amount of money I did last year in half the time, do I want to work all the time or do I want to go do my hobbies, my loves, my passions, see my friends, my families, have conversations over coffee? Then it gets into values. So I, I appreciate that opening. Yeah, it, it's just something that's really been in my awareness. I mean, probably for like the last year, to be honest, but even within the last several months, it was interesting because I was having a conversation with a, a good friend, his name's Joey, and just really an in, intelligent guy and just, just, yeah, quick, quick, quick with the mind. <laughs> um, and he posted something, because where this all kind of started is, I, I forget exactly who I heard it from first. I think it was Hermosi, now that I think about it. <laughs> He's good. He is good. Uh, he talked about how the wealthiest people, and, and this all makes sense, right? But like just the way he explained it, it really sunk in for me. And he said the wealthiest people are just the best at, the, they're the best at getting the best return on their time. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you hear it all the time. Everyone says, oh, we, we all have the same 24 hours. Time is the most valuable commodity we have, right? So it's like, well, why are these people more wealthy than other people if we all have the same time? Well, they're just yep. better at getting, they're, they're better at getting a return on their time. And so that was already in my awareness a little bit. And then my friend Joey, he posted something on his story about he put together this whole like formulated worksheet that basically like calculated your time. Hmm. And so I got on a call with him, I think it was last week, and then he was sharing with me this app that I've been utilizing over the last like week or so. It's called Timular. Cool. And so it basically, like, you track, I can show you after this, 
but you can track like, as long as you're updating your calendar all day like then you can start organizing and, and categorizing all the things that you're doing and you can see exactly where your time is going and that's even something i really learned from you within your coaching is like you said if you show me where you're spending your time and spending your money i'll show you everything you care about yeah everything you care about yeah and that really sunk especially when i went, did that exercise from like last year when i went and looked at my bank statements i looked at my calendar and seeing like exactly where all my time goes and then you're like well shit like am i is, is this me you know dming all the time is that is that profitable right or can i outsource that for some somebody else it's such a good audit i think the the idea of profitable is really important too because we're i think as entrepreneurs we're often looking for the things that drive our company our revenue not always do we recognize that we're the vehicle <laughs> like it's us mm. and profit can mean a lot of things it can mean dollar productive activities right your dpa like measure that figure out what those activities are and what your dollar your, your what your dollar is worth and what your time is worth your hour but also recognize that your car is going to need gas it's going to need new tires it's going to need the and if you start considering that those are part of profit you then start to play the game a little different right then time mm -hmm. like time away rest starts to have a much more critical function I, I, as an athlete i was really in tune with rest as an entrepreneur, I have just recently become in tune with rest because we, we don't talk about it. We just say, go, fucking charge, get it. Yeah. And don't rest until you get it. And I think that that's a belief system that has to be dismantled or you will find yourself burnt out, burnt out real hard, real fast. Yeah. I've been there. That's a real thing. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's funny I had this, and I, I'd love to get into your story um, as well, but I'll just, I, I have this desire, I had this idea when I was uh, up in Sedona a few weeks back. And I did some breath work and that's usually when the ideas start really flowing. Heck yeah. And I have this desire to like create an app or a software or you can probably just start with an Excel sheet. But I'd love to figure out some formula so that it accurately shows like where you, based on your priorities and your goals, It'll show you like where's your best, where's your time best invested, mm. and it's like just what you said. It's like not just because you know some people say, oh well, you know, if you're con you're considering going to Sedona, have a rest and relax day, or get on five more sales calls, get on the sales calls because that's gonna drive the revenue, right? But it would just be so cool to have like a formulated answer to say like, if you really want to, if your goal is to, you know, be more present and make this amount of money then it says, go to Sedona and rest yeah. and relax for a day because that's yep. going to help you be better this next week. It's such an important topic, man. I think it's an underdeveloped conversation in entrepreneurship. Yeah, and, and to your point about burnout, I, I just, I think it really, I think things are shifting a lot lately. And it used to be all about, hey, go make the money, crush, grind, hustle hard. But it's just like, it's, you know, obviously it's important. Like you want to make money and that's a big piece of life. But I'm just recognizing more and more through whether it's podcast conversations or just conversation I'm having with friends. Like the, the, I think the narrative is kind of changing and the like super wealthy billionaire is, is kind of an outdated model. Yeah, yeah, it is. It should be. Uh, I have a friend that's incredibly, incredibly wealthy. And 
we have long since talked about like the box that that creates. Uh, everything that you own, you have to manage. Uh, I'll give you an example of this. At one point, I had two cars and two motorcycles. Um, I, I gave one car to my dad, recently bought another car, and I'm in this place where I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> this, this, doesn't, this doesn't put me in direction towards my goals. It, it's simply a, a distraction. And they're not designed to be like flashy things, but I've, I've always coveted those, those like material elements and having them takes away from simplicity and simplicity is a direct connection to more of what I want. Mm. However, vehicles, and I, I do enjoy them, having a motorcycle is amazing, but I don't need a second one, nor do I need a second car. Those things are taking me away from the thing that I want. And what I want is simplicity. And I think it's very easy to get caught up with, with those objects. There's a ton of maintenance. There's a ton of upkeep. If nothing else, I've just got to clean them so when I drive them, they don't look like they've been in a garage for six months. Mm. But those vehicles are also representative of like the totems that we keep in our, in our life, whether it's old relationships or friends or it's habits, maybe it's beliefs or books or concepts or what have you. I think we keep old stuff around way too much, right? Spring cleaning. It's March 31st today. It's spring cleaning. Like go through your shit and clean it. Go through your mind and clean it. I think it's, it's going to Sedona so, and resting is, is that. It's so important. And, you know, we talk about the whole concept of letting go and trusting, which is like just one of the biggest concepts and principles there is. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. you holding on to something <laughs> from the past that's not serving you is detracting you from actually getting to the place you want to go. Yeah. <laughs> and physically, we're holding on to like we have these all these things in our closets and our garage, and it's like a physical manifestation of you not letting go. I know. Yeah. Like I'm gonna toss you what you want. Are your hands free? Uh, that's a really important concept. There's a there's a a space that I've gotten to recently, and somebody really prompted this in me they were like hey man how much room do you have for a miracle and i was like mm. oh shit <laughs> i have no room like look at my calendar look at my my world it's packed i've got no space for a miracle and whether you believe in miracles or not the, the principle applies you have no space for magic you have no space for the unknown and our our like world starts to get really tight easily it's, it's almost demanded in us, especially in entrepreneurship, more, 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 more. But I have learned that less is more effective, right? I want to be a sniper, not a shotgun. Mm. Sniper rifle, not a shotgun. Yeah. And precision hit with 15 clients, not 50. I want to work with 10 companies, not 10,000. And when I think about what that really means is I have space. If I don't have space, I can't research before I go. I can't breathe. I can't relax. I can't do the things that make me more effective. And something like rest weekend at Sedona, like filling up the battery. You got to have a full battery if you want to play a full game. Mm -hmm. uh, th and this conversation is, is bigger than entrepreneurship. It's starting to happen in athletics, right? NBA players are like, dude, we're playing so many games. Like injury counts are going up. Mm. Mental health is declining. There are all these problems. The battery is too low. 
Maybe it's time to reset. And recharge. Yeah, recharge, reset. Well, before we continue diving too deep into this <laughs> amazing conversation, again, I want to you know, hold the floor for you to share your story and how sure. you got into all the work that you're doing, this transformational work. So if I look back at, at entrepreneurship, it, it was always adjacent to me. My dad was a, a demolition entrepreneur. So he and my mom had a company where they were doing knocking down, you know, select demo, like inside of an apartment where you're taking out walls, offices, things like that. And then they eventually expanded to a larger company where they had excavators and big dump trucks carrying out rubble and taking out, you know, steel beams. And it was cool to watch. Uh, I also worked inside the company for a little while as a kid. So I, I guess I had a touch point in the business that I now appreciate a lot more than I did. At the time, it was just, it was a, a business and a company. Mm -hmm got into uh, college as an engineer and hated it. Mm. Just That's not the way I think. So I eventually went into financial economics, graduated during the recession. And every job offer that I got at that time was so shitty. It was like, make 10 hours of cold calls every day and we'll give you a guaranteed salary of 28 grand, sell annuities, sell insurance, sell these things. And I just could never find what I was excited about. During college, uh, the, the maintenance manager and the apartment manager were doing tours and they caught me taking apart the water heater because <laughs> it wouldn't work. Mm. So they offered me a job and I just, during college to pay for my, my extracurriculars, I helped them. So I would clean, paint, fix, all that stuff. So in contrast to all these jobs for like a really awful career start, at least in my opinion, I decided to go into apartment maintenance full-time uh, about 30 minutes from where I went to college. Which so, was where? Uh, UMBC in Baltimore. Okay. And I started working in Towson, Maryland. So my first job out of college was at a college off-campus housing, cleaning up shit, fixing light bulbs, repairing dishwashers, fixing washing and drying machines. Like It was a dirty job. We were picking up leaves, we were snow plowing, like, but I, I loved it. It was so much fun to just go navigate these, these like problem solving opportunities. But I also, I think I understood then that it, it was temporary. Like that wasn't who I was. Mm -hmm. It was just a phase. But I also got 45 grand a year and a free apartment. No utilities, no cable costs, no internet. Like I was good. So you stack that up against what was happening in in like my friends' worlds, they were getting like 35, 38 grand a year. That was it. They had to pay for an apartment. So they went and lived at home or they shared with four people. I had a eight, uh, 900 square foot, one bedroom apartment to myself and had this cash. But I didn't have any expenses other than that, right? I mean, you're right out of college. Like you don't have a lot of other stuff. So it, it introduced like a whole new world of, of needing to manage my money. Didn't really get that. So I started to learn that. Eventually that, because of my background in business, I got into management, had a boss that was really oppressive and I think really afraid of my growth rate. So I eventually left to find uh, a more um, palatable environment and found a really good boss and leader. So I managed this apartment complex in Baltimore in a, a newly redeveloped area, brand new building with an audience that was Hopkins students, doctors, nurses, public health students, 
plus people that were already doctors and nurses. So from like college to, to like that profession, I was building relationships. I was learning to communicate. I was learning how to fix problems that I never originated. They, they weren't my problem, right? It was someone else's sink they bust or someone else's like wall that collapsed or ceiling. Uh, and when I got into the management side, now I'm managing someone else's business. I'm collecting the rent. I'm following up on you know bills that need to be paid. I'm navigating our vendors and all the different contractors that we had on site. So I just got a lot of different experience and it was really adjacent to what my father had done. So it, it sort of panned well. But eventually I got unhappy. And I, I could at that point catalog the level of unhappiness I had at each of those different position jumps. And from maintenance, I knew that I wasn't happy because I was capable of more. In management, I was unhappy because I felt like someone was like strangling me, mm. keeping me down. And then the next boss, I wasn't happy again. And I got really confused. It was the most confused I've ever been in my life. To that point, I, I just, I didn't know if I was unhappy for some wrong reason. And I gave myself a lot of grief about like, dude, you got a boss that like, he literally told me, he's like, dude, you're a superstar. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get in your way. Just don't screw me over. Build it, create it. You got an idea, do it. Like, I'm not going to hold you back. You are going to go really far. I'm not going to be an enemy to you. I want you to do it. Just check in with me. Be, be, keep me on the same team, but run free. So I'm like, why, why would I be unhappy? Like this, yeah. I'm, I have an audience that supports me. And I think around there, I had begun coaching soccer enough that I recognized entrepreneurship as a, a vehicle. I didn't know it was called entrepreneurship. Yeah. It was just somebody starting a business, starting a soccer club. And now I'm at work during the day, allowed to run free, and I'm coaching soccer. And I'm like, dude, I think I could get out of this. I watched the movie Limitless. Okay. <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm like on cloud nine. I'm like, what? This is this is life. And between coaching soccer and starting to like test ideas at this apartment complex, which was really the testing ground for my, my own birthing, I had this idea that maybe I could do this on my own. The next phase of my life was coaching soccer in the evenings and I'd quit my job to seed an idea of building a nonprofit to teach kids about money. So that was, uh, I quit my job May of 2015. And that catalog of five years was coaching soccer evenings and weekends and building the company during the day, office hours. And I was like 60, 70 hours a week coaching soccer. I was doing one-on-one -on -one personal training with athletes, doing one-on-one -on -one personal training with adults, coaching the teams on weeknights. I, I ran a high school program. I did so much. I was just, I was like, it was like two worlds. Soccer Aaron and then business Aaron. Mm. And because of the interrelatedness, I was teaching kids soccer and I was teaching kids about money. It really forced me to confront a lot about me. Yeah, I'm sure. And my crash, my, my like first identity crash happened in 2017. I had become stable by coaching, like that covered my expenses. But in the nonprofit world, this is very common in nonprofits it's like straight up martyrdom. You just, you just like self depreciate so fast because mm. you're supposed to do it for everyone else. And over, I looked at my course of a year, I had 
probably put in like a realistic 60, 65 hours a week. Um, I, I love the number of entrepreneurs that are like, I work 100, like probably, you're probably at 60, 65. It's hard to work 100. But 60, 65 is exhausting and I paid myself $8,000 in 11 months. Wow. And it started to get frustrating. It started to get, I was angry and I was hurting and I was just lost in the, like, is, is this worth it? So about 2017, I had this like collapse and sort of found personal development. And it was, it was like throwing wood on a fire that was almost out and the wood super dry and just caught on fire immediately. Like it, it supercharged me back up. It's a good metaphor. To where I was like, the fire is going out. Like I'm, I'm drowned. Am I just meant to be a soccer player? Am I just meant to be a soccer coach? Like, is that all I can do? Uh, and and I was making a difference. Like I, I was, I believed that. I, I know that I, I did. But I also was like, am I, am I capable of more? Because it, it feels like that in my heart. Mm. My head is starting to tell me that it's not. And I've got to fix that. So personal development really started to blossom. Uh, that helped me grow as far as a soccer coach. Almost all of my coaching became coaching the mindset of my players. Because around that time, we wanted to take the team to the next level, but the teams that I would take on were like development teams. That the players had not had a lot of coaching in the background. They had not had a past and history of high-level play. They wanted it, but they didn't have the experience. And you can't skip the phase of experience, but you can skip mm -hmm. the mindset piece. So I was working on building confidence. They didn't have experience, but that didn't mean they had to be not confident. I was working on dealing with uh, all kinds of issues from like health and wellness, mm. things like, I mean, these were, these, I was coaching all girls teams. So these were issues like anorexia, eating disorders, um, what's happening at home, parental issues. Like I, I was thrown into the fire. But once I started leaning in on that, the teams did this. And our teams that you know, were ranked really low in the state started winning big, big, big tournaments uh, relative to their level. So it, it started to catapult. Meanwhile, the nonprofit also starts to grow. And we decided to abandon the nonprofit model and go for venture. So I've got these like two concurrent stories, right? Mm. It's like soccer is growing, this nonprofit is growing, and this started to be my whole world. It was like two cars, I'm driving two cars. And when money starts to become a topic that you're studying to go teach, start to get better at it. So I was now like in this rotating axis of like, I'm around kids all the time. We're teaching kids about money, kids about confidence. Well, these things, they match, right? They really start to match confidence and money starts to go hand in hand. And as we take on venture, we go through accelerators, we, we grow this thing up. Money Club starts to develop software and coaching starts to expand and expand and expand to the point where I'm like, I might need to take this down a notch because this is starting to grow. So I'm, I'm now like, before I was driving two cars and it was harmonious, but by 2019, it had grown so much that these, these things weren't harmonious anymore. And I'm feeling again, burnt out from like, what's going on. And every time, almost the, the theme throughout my story is like, I think this is true for a lot of things. You go up and then it comes down and it burns and then it, it rises again. So, 2019 into 2020, Money Club finishes about a quarter million dollar build out of software that was designed to let us scale. 
we had been very hands-on, very experiential, but you can't scale that. And with coaching, I'm starting to feel like one is weighing down the other. And enter the arena of like a third car, entrepreneurs are starting to be like, dude, how are you so happy? Like, all you do all day is coach kids and coach kids and, and like live what you want and you travel all over the US. Like, how do you, how do you build that? So enters a third car of like, what's going on? Well, we finished Build Out of Money Club February like 20th, 2020. We have contracts lined up. We have like major, major projects underway. We have cash coming in that's guaranteed, but not to us. And I start to get the like itch of like, need to let go of coaching. COVID, March 14th, every single contract with Money Club, gone in 14 hours. Wow. 300 grand of contracts slash investing, gone. And youth sports stopped. I also published a book February 29th, 2020 on youth on like, it's called Let Her Play, on what parents can do to help unlock their daughters in sports and youth soccer stopped. So my whole, both of my cars run flat into the wall at 60 miles an hour, my world stops. Soccer, over. And we're like trying to figure out like, what do you do? Youth sports is over, education's over. We think it's gonna be a couple weeks, but it's like, I know that it's not gonna be a couple weeks. Yeah. So full on identity crisis. Who am I, who the fuck am I? I have no idea who I am. Everything that I've just believed in, cared about, and poured my heart into, not just my money, other people's money, is gone. And it was such a roller coaster, man. I, I've, that was the new crash. I'd never been that dark before. Hmm. And it took me many, many weeks to figure out like, okay, I, I, I think I need to let go of soccer. I think I need to take this money club thing on, make sure the team is good and we're gonna roll. But that was, the, that was a really hard time as a leader. So that, that period lasted about six weeks. Um, I have a couple of entrepreneur clients that are, are kind of starting to bubble up during that time, but that wasn't a big part of my world. Money Club rolled through the waves and we became a presenting workshop company for employees that were going through COVID and like had no idea what to do with their money. So companies were calling us to run workshops on how employees could navigate their finances through the, the pandemic. And that was discussions about like debt programs and pausing your, your like mortgage. It was about deferring student loans. It was about like handling credit cards. Like it was just all kinds of things. Everybody was freaking out. So we stepped in and, and that later blossomed into the next phase of my life with two cars, which was running workshops companies no longer kids but now we're talking money with adults and now entrepreneurs are starting to really like ask me for help building their company and coaching starts to grow retreats starts to grow hmm. so i'm back in two cars holy hell it's like i just wanted to be in two cars at the same time and as money club grows i learned that while we had done good work i needed to grow an understanding of how to build wealth. I need to understand how to level up financially so that I could go teach people. So I'm starting to make some big money moves, starting to put a lot more risk, starting to interview millionaires on a regular basis, starting to like change my ecosystem. And my ecosystem at that point was around a lot of very successful people. So I was already kind of around it, but I wasn't in it. And then with entrepreneurs, I'm starting to learn about all the different industries. 
So two cars roll. We'll flash forward through the messiness of 2021. 22 comes around and in the middle of the summer, it became clear that the way that Money Club had survived was that I had created demand. I had hustled so hard to tell a leader, like, your employees need this. They didn't come to me and say, hey, I want to show my team how to invest. I want to show them how to handle their credit cards. I, I like, spawned and sparked that interest. So it was pure hustle grind, not sustainable. And the coaching company that I have with a partner is starting to grow, but our values just aren't together. So both of these organizations crash into another wall, another ego death straight down to the bottom. Mm. I've moved cities to add to that. So both of these cars crash, I move cities and become a dad in July. So now all of me is dead. In the past, it was like business dead, Aaron, identity dead. This was like everything at the same time. So by 2022, the, the Aaron that you would have met in April or May, you wouldn't even recognize now. I was just such a different person because everything got lost. My income was lost who I was, who I thought I was, the friends I'm around, the family I'm around, it's all, it's different now. And the entire way through 2022, one thing kept me through all of that. By that point, I had maybe seven coaching clients that were in business, that were growing, and they really trusted me. They trusted me to help them through their challenges. And I would, I would like cry and then get on a coaching call. And like the fact that I needed to show strong for them and like help them, it wasn't about not feeling like I could be authentic. It was about like, they gave me purpose through the hard shit. That couple of months was, I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you with your problem, even though all of my problems are like this giant tsunami that you can't see on my Zoom screen. They were the only thing that got me through. And now my two cars, one car. Hmm. And I had been so afraid for a long time to even announce that I was doing coaching. So if you went back through any of my social profiles, it was quiet. But it, it got to a point where I recognized that like, this is just what I'm meant to do. The application in Money Club was largely coaching. I was doing that, but I was afraid to be that. Hmm. And the world just brought a storm that cleared the way. It opened up the pathway of like, dude, Will you stop running from what you're great at? Mm. If you won't do it, I'll do it. And it sort of has been a, a beautiful opening of these passions and these methods that I couldn't quite figure out. I've learned a lot along the way. I've had to develop personally. I've had to let go. I've had to surrender. I've had to fight. I've had to not fight. Uh, but through it, I was an apartment maintenance guy that now I work with these amazing entrepreneurs who are, are really excited to, to grow and scale their business, who are ready to transform personally and professionally, who are ready to transform their company, ready to transform the people in their company. I lead retreats for entrepreneurs that are ready to make the change. I get to host workshops for companies that are trying to build cohesion in their team, that wanna up-level their culture. And it's really easy to think about that journey like in a really long, set of time, but it, it's only been 14 years from start to finish. I've been an entrepreneur for about eight years, but that 14 years is like the amount of risk and change and failure and crashes and burns and 
like the stockpile of car parts that don't work anymore <laughs> is so massive that I've, I feel like I've lived many lifetimes in just this one. Hmm. And every one of those careers, professions, hats, failures, experiences has taught me something new that I can bring to what I do now. And the most exciting part of now having one car is that every time I coach, I get better at coaching. And now I coach, I have a wait list of people, but I've got so many touch points in a week that in a week I get, I get 10% better. So week over week, I'm just getting better and better at like helping configure and change and, and augment entrepreneurs. So their whole life expands. And as a long winded end to that story, if there is any theme in that entire experience, it has been the name of the company that I have now. I was in my own way and everything changed when I got out of my own way. Once I changed that, life started to expand in a beautiful, beautiful fucking manner. Wow, what a story. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thanks for sharing, man. <laughs> so there's, there's, a, there's a myriad of things that I, I would, I'd pull from that, but I would probably sum it down to about three. First, I thought um, something that's really valuable and worth highlighting is, I've heard this before, but they talk about how wealth is not the amount of money you make. It's the proportion of your expenses to how much money you make. Mm -hmm. And so what you did that was really smart in the beginning was that you minimize your expenses significantly. Mm -hmm. And that's just been in my awareness a lot, like whether it's coaching people or just having conversations, uh, the Maslow hierarchy of needs. And I think there's different ways people explain them, but the one I heard recently was it's, you know, survival needs, love and connection, and then um, like servitude. Mm -hmm. Love that. That's like the simplistic way of explaining. I think some of the people say there's like five levels. But it's really difficult for you to get to love and connection and, and be in a place of service if you're still in survival. Yeah, if impossible. You're, if you're just trying to pay rent and, and feed yourself, it's going to be tough to like think about, oh, how can I like help this person? Which all of us want to do at some level, but it's, it's, it's challenging to get out of that until like your base needs are met yeah and i so, so like what you did early on that like i think that really set you up for a, a great place and so I, I think about that a lot especially with young entrepreneurs is like not how much money can i make but how how can i eliminate more expenses so i don't feel that that pressure as much so one of the the exciting parts about going on the journey of teaching money was that i had to I had to learn and one of our partners, one of my greatest mentors, his name is Ben Lyons, he helped me understand money at a really high level. So we, in Money Club, we broke down wealth into four parts, into a formula, the wealth creation formula. So there are four things that every wealthy person has got. Everyone's formula is different. So number one, investable income. That's what you're talking about, right? The difference between our income and our expenses. I know guys that make 450 a year, but they spend 450 a year. They have no investable income. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. Number two is asset accumulation. You've got to buy assets. And we love buying liabilities. We love buying that. Number three is leverage. That could be borrowing. That could also be information, right? If I hire a company to do social media, I'm leveraging their skills versus my own. Um, leverage can be people, knowledge, money, a lot of things. And then part number four is time. 
Short-term time, long-term time. Compounding, et cetera, is long-term. Short-term is like, what are you doing day-to-day, dollar productive activities kind of things. But like, all of those are really important. I, why don't we learn that? <laughs> that? That was the purpose of Money Club, was to go around and disseminate this information around money that we don't learn. But I, I think that the, the biggest conversation in entrepreneurship that's missing is, yes, your business is growing, but business alone may not make you wealthy. For many entrepreneurs, it will not. You can make 150 grand a year, but if you spend 150 grand a year, you're not gonna build wealth. That's not enough earning to get you, it's not gonna spike to wealthy. You gotta invest beyond that. So what are, you talked about the four things, so just let's recap just so, you said it's investable income? Yep. Where it's like the different, differentiation of your expenses versus income. Income. Yep. Uh, second was assets. Assets. Yep. Uh, I want to come back to that. But number three, leverage. Leverage. So other people, information, courses. Borrowing money too, maybe a part of that. Okay. And then the last one is time. Time. Okay. Uh, assets. What are like some things that people can invest? Like assets they can invest in early on. Well, some common ones that are really accessible, things like stocks are, are assets. And stocks can be great because you don't need an overwhelming amount of cash to get started. The stock market has a pretty bad rap, uh, especially lately. But being able to invest in an asset, even as just a practice, stocks can be great. $3, $10, $100, $200 can get you started in buying a stock. So that can be really advantageous, even just in principle. Then you've got things like houses. Uh, there are ways to make your car an asset. When you rent your car on Turo, for example, it becomes an asset. Mm -hmm. An asset for many people is like something of value. The way that we think of assets is something that generates cash. If it's not generating cash, it's a liability. Therefore, the house that you live in is not an asset. Right. It is a liability. Um, but the world of assets has started to, to change and widen because now we're talking about NFTs, we're talking about digital art and canvases, assets can become really wide as long as it's generating cash. People have generated cash from lawnmowers and renting out their riding mower. So there's a lot of ways to make something an asset. Is there, is there a conversation around an asset that doesn't require as much of your time though? Cause it's like, you know, you can come back to like lawnmowers or renting your car. There's like the whole management of that as management well. Management for sure. So where does that come into play? Well, I think that's the game for, for every long-term wealth play because then we're, now we're in the time category. So the ideal case for an entrepreneur is to build a business that doesn't require your time, right? To scale the business so that more, you don't need more time to grow. So if you're growing the business, you're putting in more time and energy. If you're scaling the business, you're not putting in more time and energy. It's just happening. But even for something like a Turo, can you create a structure that requires less and less and less time? The first time I did a Turo, it took me hours a week to try to get it up and running. And now I can do it for less than an hour a week. But you still have to do the math and make sure it makes sense. I think that a good asset, even a business can be considered an asset. A good asset is generating money while you're sleeping, right? The goal is to create more investable income while you're sleeping and then you can start the spin cycle of like, I've got more cash, I buy a bigger asset. Got more cash, buy a bigger asset. Um, I bought a short-term rental down in Florida with two other guys and, and we, we bought this asset and it started to spin really, really fast. Mm -hmm. And by the time it sold, 
we have a lot of cash that we can now deploy into multiples. So it, it becomes a multiplication game. Can you, can you 2x, 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 2x? And even if you're only one and a half xing, even if you're only 10% growth on growth on growth, that's, that's where the time becomes a really important equation. The entrepreneur hustle is often falsified as like retire by 30, retire by 40. I want to be a millionaire by 50. Being a millionaire doesn't necessarily mean you have a million dollars in cash. It's not how it works. Mm. Because your money is not going to be still. It's going to be locked in an asset until you extract it. Or it's going to be locked in an asset to generate returns. We put almost 300 grand into a home that started to generate money. Well, we can't just walk away with that. I know what the house was worth and I know what it generates, but it's not sitting in an account. It would be foolish, this is the other principle of wealth, to keep your money still. Still money is killed money. You wanna move it, you have to move it. So growth only happens when money flips into another transformative vehicle as it moves from cash into an asset and then asset back into cash. That's the only time it grows unless it's generating cash flow. But understanding that takes practice. Like we're not taught this. We're, it's not in school. It's not in college. It's not typically in your typical, like it's not in your entrepreneur typical conversation because we're talking about business. We're not talking about assets. So you have to get around different people to, to really start to learn it. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for sharing all that. that. That reminds me so much of like, and I'm, I'm realizing how powerful it is to do this podcast like it was always just like an idea just to, it was like a self-serving idea because it made me feel better having these conversations but i'm realizing more and more is like when you get around the right types of people that can shift your paradigm paradigm and your beliefs very quickly because what you believe you believe what they say is true because of who they are and mm -hmm. what they've experienced and and how they're living their life and when they say something like when you tell me this is how money works and I believe you because I know who you are, then my paradigm immediately shifts. Yeah. And that's I the power that. of getting around the right types of people. Yeah. And it can work. I think it can work the other way as well. Completely. Yeah. Your, your audience is the most significant part of your future. 100%. So coming back to your story and again, thank you for sharing all that money stuff. That's, that's gold. Uh, something else I noticed is that like you were saying that like you had a bunch of identity breakdowns or I don't remember. Yeah. Ego deaths. Or, yeah. Ego deaths, crashes. Yeah. And I think that's something worth, worth talking about as well is because it's like that whole adage of God's holding the teddy bear, the big old teddy bear behind his back. You hear this one? No, but I like it. Okay. So he has this huge teddy. Like, so the kid has a, like a little teddy bear and God says, give me the teddy bear. He's like, no, it's like, I, it's mine. It's like, and he doesn't, the kid doesn't know that he's got a much bigger, better thing ahead mm. of him if he just is willing to give up the wow. small teddy bear. And so even like what we're talking about on the way, on the way in the elevator, talking about the highs and the lows, uh, but coming back to what you're saying is like, I remember hearing that this was at uh, Devin's AZE summit, not this, not this last one, I think the one prior. Uh, but they're literally talking like you really have to like essentially like kill your old self. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just it's, it's interesting. And I think that like almost kind of a blessing for mm -hmm. you. Like you had all these things outside of your control almost that like forced you to 
kill your old self so you could grow into the new version. And I really think, because I've had my experiences of like, I shifted significantly. There was, uh, there was a phase that I went through, I had a shoulder injury, it's a long story. But like, you ask any of my close friends that knew me before to where I am now, like completely different person. And that just resonated so much with me. And I think that's just the case all the time. And I, that, again, I think that's something worth talking about is like, I think the reason that you've been able to have the significant growth is because you've been forced to let that old one go. I do too. I also sheepishly was afraid to do it. Like that was forced upon me because I refused to give up the teddy bear. And I think, I believe this, that eventually God was like, I'm taking the teddy bear. You're, you're meant for more, man. You get out of your own way. Give me the fucking bear. Yeah. And I have, I have been afraid to go through that. And I'm sure all of us are. And I'm starting to now trust that the magic is actually in going through it. So choose, choose it. Decide to go through it. There's, there's a lot of um, benevolence in that. But it's scary. It's scary to let go of who you are, what you know, what you think you know. And man, every, every one of those identity crises, those crashes felt simultaneously like the right maneuver at the wrong time because I delayed it. I deferred it. Like I, I knew I had to let go of coaching soccer. Man, did I fight that. I knew I had to let go of money club, but I fought that too. And I now feel encouraging energy because I've gone through it enough that I can, I can be with somebody as they go through it. That's part of my coaching is like, let's, let's walk through that. Yeah. And everything that I've wanted has been on the other side of that crash. And it's come in these like crazy packages. But I think it's the most important package you can get. Well, here's something. I, I've really been on this wave about choosing courage. Like choose the difficult things. The things that you know, like letting go of money club, letting go of the soccer coaching. Like those are scary moves. You don't want to do them because as humans, we're resistant to change. Yep. We don't like change. And there's a whole deeper conversation of like why that is, but we don't like it. We don't like to change. We don't like to do scary things because our brain thinks that we're going to die on a yeah. reptilian level, you know? Our brains suck. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're uh, great servants, but terrible masters. Terrible masters. And I just think the more that you can feed your brain proof that when you take the courageous actions and it's not as challenging, it's not a big of a deal and it's not as scary as you actually built it up in your head, then it's easier to have those shifts and make those big changes, which ultimately lead to your growth. And the more, the quicker you're able to do that, the quicker you're able to grow. Mm. It, it's such a paradox because it is. it's like, you say you want this thing, whatever that thing is, making the money, the relationship, the health, whatever it is. But it's like, how you get there is letting go of this. I know. You say you want it, but you, like, this is an anchor that's holding you back. But until you let go of this, you can't have this. I've heard it very well put like, hey, you want to fly? You got to get off the cliff. Yeah. And 
It's terrifying to let go of the cliff. And, and to your point, it's the most important part of growth. Do you think that the process, so to, to courage, do you think that courage is a, a personality trait? Is it a behavior? Is it an action? How, how would you define courage to someone that's like, well, I wanna be, I wanna have that? Because it sounds like a half, right? It mm. sounds like someone just like passes you a baton. You're like, I got the baton of courage. Is it a thing? Is it an action? Is it a mindset? How would you define courage? I would say it's an action. But it's a, it's, it always starts with a small action. Um, one of my biggest things, and it was interesting because I had a, a friend I got on a call with yesterday and she says, it looks like you're crushing right now. And, you know, I feel like I'm starting to develop some good momentum. But I was even thinking about making a post around this. Is it, coming back to the conversation we had, I, I feel <laughs> more than ever, like, yes, I feel momentum brewing. But I also feel more highs and lows than mm -hmm, I ever have. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I always like to say and remind myself is that Really, the goal for me is, is momentum. I feel the thing that can plague people the most, and it's plagued me the most, is being stuck. It's like not moving, not taking the actions. And so an inch in the right direction is 10 times better than staying where you are. Yeah, well said. So I think cur courage starts with little actions that you can build up and then you get into a flow and a momentum where your confidence is a lot higher because you've proven to your brain that you're like, oh, I, I am this actual person that I say I am. Mm -hmm. and I'm doing the things. I think it always kind of comes back to behavior and those behaviors can be really small that can lead into the big ones because I personally don't think you can have the big ones unless you take the small ones. Yeah, you're, you need to practice it. Yeah, I love that. What do you think? To me, courage is confidence in self yeah. without some kind of fear there is no courage right it, it, it would be silly to be like I'm gonna I'm gonna be courageous and do something I've always done you're not courageous you're comfortable yeah. so the, the way I've defined confidence is the distance between expectation and competency these are what I think my results will be this is what I'm capable of my competency can change. My expectations can change. If that becomes too wide, the tension between the two will snap. So if my expectations are crazy high mm. and my competency is really low, I'm going to be very depleted, very disappointed, and likely my confidence is going to be broken. This happens in sports, entrepreneurship, all these things. I'm going to get $10 million in investment next month. Well, your competency, you never raised capital before. Like, mm. You're probably not going to get there. And then you're going to be like, I'm not a good entrepreneur. If it's not enough tension, you're probably not going to grow. Mm. So my expectation and my competency are really close together. I'm going to get one sale this month. Well, you average three sales a month. You're probably not going to feel like you're growing. You're not pushing for expansion. And that tension rod to me is where courage becomes now pliable, where I can say, I'm going to make a courageous action and extend the bar, my expectations just a bit even if my competency hasn't changed. But I think competency is really important to develop. 
courage does not exist without expectations that go beyond what you know. Courage is the next level of expectation. And when we start to confront our capabilities and, and what we truly desire, usually we have the expectation. It's our competency that, that needs adjusting. We haven't developed a skill yet. We haven't developed the, the formulation. So that's, my, that's, that's the next question is like, how do you build up your competency? In my opinion, there's two ways. Competency changes when you change your ecosystem, those you're around, because you'll match the competency of those around you. If you hang around five people to do sales all the time, you'll learn how they talk, you'll learn how they walk, you'll learn how they communicate, you'll learn the small innuendos that close deals or open up doors. The second is you study and practice. Study and practice is a, is an important one to, to decode. That may be reading a book, but it often has to be very experiential. Not study in a room, study in the field. Get active. Try to sell something that's not yours. Sell a product that you're passionate about. Maybe it's building a product. Whatever it is that you want to be your craft, study and practice, study and practice. There is a, a lot of conversation around this in sports, not in entrepreneurship. Mm. In sports, we will say to an athlete, if you want to play professional, you've got to be putting in two to three hours a night inside of your 12 to 18 year range for that six years. You got to be putting in two to three hours a night, every day consistently. That's what you got to do. Mm. But we don't talk about it in entrepreneurship. We talk about it like you're just going to stumble on this. The, the level of proficiency that you've got to have will come as you practice. Maybe you need to practice having conversations or sales or converting investors. Maybe you need to practice pitching in front of people. Maybe you need to practice in front of camera. Practice your reels. Practice, 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 practice. In entrepreneurship, we discount what practice is because we haven't broken down what gets success. If you know what you want and break it down to its component parts, then you can start to practice. But it might take you 10,000 hours. Well, okay. I think this and this this conversation could go forever. <laughs> but we'll, shocker, we'll, we'll close it up uh, here in the next like five minutes. But I think something that I wanted to ask you is because you've alluded to this a couple of times that you that this everything comes from knowing what you want, mm -hmm. and you've had a clear picture. Well to a degree for, for the majority of it that I heard mm -hmm. is that you had a clear picture on what you want. And then you just said right now, it's like, it's important to know what you want. How do you figure out what you want? It's a, it can be a really gnarly question. Yeah. Uh, I think most of us create what we want from what we lack. So if we haven't grown up with a lot, we'll depict a, a future that does have a lot. We can use what we don't want to craft what we want. We can say, I, I don't like having to get up in the morning and commute to work. Okay, well then I don't want to commute, meaning I want my mornings at home. I think the exploration of what we want also comes to a, a really beautiful head when we start asking, what do I value? Mm -hmm. what, what's me? And a great place to look for that is who you were as a kid. The authenticity that we experience really young is, is like pure. And usually the things that we want as a kid before the, the lack sets in can be an indicator of what you enjoy 
now. So if it's reading books, uh, maybe you painted and did a lot of crafts, that might be something to look for. Another place to look for what you want is in what you notice in others. So what you may notice in others is like, wow, that person is well put together. And again, it often comes from a place of lack, but that example might start to, to set for you a direction of your own where you can start to say like, wow, this person has all these things or shows up this way or I really love how jubilant this person is and how enthusiastic they are all the time. I want that. Mm. So usually it's in contrast and until you have it external, you can't come to the internal answers. But if you can start with the external, then you can work on, okay, who do I want to be? And I know you know all about that question. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's interesting. I, I've never heard it like that about seeing what you want in others. I think I've probably just like subconsciously felt that. of Like, oh, that, that person's really confident. I'd, I'd love to have more of that. Mm -hmm. you know, or that person, you know, has a good style. Like, I'd like to have more of that. They have money. I like, you know. Yep. So on and so forth. But yeah, it's, I'm a big advocate of that I was on a, a call yesterday and it's just and I think all the time you get to clarify more and more on what you want you can never have enough clarity on what you want yeah well said and this is constantly asking that question like, what do I want what do I want because once you know what you want then it's it's really not that difficult if you look at it objectively, it is difficult when emotions get involved and then you freak out and you get overwhelmed and anxious about it. But if you truly know what you want and you just know exactly where you're going, it's just like a, a GPS system, right? Yep. Like yep. you're, yeah, you might run out, of, you might get low on gas or you might think it's taken too long, but you ultimately know exactly yep. where you're going. Yep. The, the chat, I think where, we all have the biggest challenges saying like, oh, I want to go west. <laughs> right. Instead of saying, I want to go to San yeah, Diego. We're really nondescript. <laughs> I, want, I want left. <laughs> left where? <laughs> yeah, very well said. There's, there's an interesting piece of a, a GPS example too. Like what I, I appreciate about that is, A, the GPS needs coordinate. And you need two coordinates. You need where are you as well. Exactly. And not a lot of people are willing to stand up in the mirror and be like, this is where I'm at and this is what got me here. It's really hard to do. Yeah. Sucks because you have to own and take responsibility for where you are. But that's an important part of the GPS. Without where are you and where do you want to go, it doesn't work. The other part of the GPS is that while you may reroute according to traffic or blocks or road closures, a GPS wouldn't bother to ask you like, hey, would you like to change destinations? Would you, are you sure <laughs> yeah. that you wanna go here? There's another place that you can go. It doesn't ask you that. If you're not clear though, that question will come up. It will, you will get suggestions from many people around like, are, are you sure? Because there's a much easier pathway. If you just set the destination here, your life will be way easier. But a GPS doesn't disorient. It doesn't decommit. It just commits and then routes. And man, my, my life has been segmented by, uh, I don't know if this destination is correct. Has yours? Has, have you ever experienced like the, like, 
I'm decommitting from what I just put in the GPS. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like that was such a pain point for so long, and it, it's still something I continue to have bouts with. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that's where, like, all this came from of, like, what I'm creating now is it came from, a you know, a lack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what you're talking about before is not having a clue what I wanted. Like, always knowing that I was meant for more and, and I was destined for something great, but having absolutely no clue on what that entailed. Yeah. But, you know, it was interesting. I come back to this call I had yesterday a couple times, but I was kind of sharing a little bit more of a, a grander vision that I have for the next, like, three year, three to five years. And she's like, how do you... Like, how is it so that you just are so clear on where you're going? And, you know, I remind myself of my vision every day, without fail. It's like the first thing I do every morning. Every time. And it's even if I'm not feeling it, like, I, I watch it, I'm just like... <laughs> One of these days, I'm just like, uh, I don't even believe this stuff right now. But like, yep. I remind, it's, there's so much power in just like, remind yourself. Because I truly believe that having a vision and being clear on what you want and where you're going, it gives you a decision-making framework. Nice. Because, again, like what you said with the, you know, the, the low-quality GPS, <laughs> <laughs> it'll start asking you, like, hey, are you sure? You sure you don't want to go over here? Yeah, right. Over here? Yeah. It seems really far. <laughs> and it's just, that I find there's such a, in, it, we live in such an interesting time right now with how much people and brands and everything is trying to pull your attention. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe that if you don't have a vision, you're not clear on what you want, then it's more difficult than ever because everyone's trying to, everyone's trying to pull you onto their GPS. Dang. Yeah, I agree with that. I, there was even a stat, I've shared this a couple times now, but they say that when you're walking down a grocery aisle, 35,000 different brands are trying to pull your attention. Damn, 35,000? And that's in a grocery aisle. Dude. What, what do you think is on five minutes of social media? Right. So I just, and that's why I'm just such a big advocate of like, be very clear on what you want. And if you don't know, you know, start asking yourself those questions. Yeah, it's okay not to. But I think it's important to, like, decide at least, like, something. Because I think that that's in itself is one of the biggest problems, mm-hmm. is that you're just not deciding. Yeah. It's this over-choice, and I could do this, and I could do this. There's a myriad of options you can do. You're just not deciding. You're in this limbo phase. And, I again, I felt that for so long. It was like the, the pain that it brought. The pain was coming from me not deciding on what I wanted rather than not knowing what I wanted. Because ultimately, like, how are you going to know until yeah. you just like decide on something, go experience it, and say, oh, well, I actually did not enjoy that. Let me course correct. Yep. And yeah, and if, you're, if you're in limbo, read Dante's Inferno. Limbo sucks. Mm-hmm. Limbo is this untethering of, of everything. It, it, you can't, you're not progressing. You're not decaying. You're just being tortured. Uh, and to make a decision might be the wrong decision. You might decide wrong, that's okay. But now you're moving, you're anchored, you're grounded. Uh, I think it's okay to say, I don't, I don't know what I want. Then, then go discover it. That's the decision. I'm going to go discover it. I'm going to go on this journey of discovery. But if you're listening, 
do not accept limbo. You cannot accept limbo. Because I'll close off on this on this story because this this ties a bow on what you just said. Uh, there was this parable that I heard a while back, and this guy was sitting on a fence, <laughs> and <laughs> the devil comes up to him, and on one side there's heaven, one side there's hell, and the devil says, "Which way are you going?" And this guy's like, oh. "Still deciding." He's like, "Okay, I'll be back." Let me know. Devil comes back. Guy's still on the fence. Which way are you going? He's like, I told you, I'm still deciding. Devil's like, cool, come with me. He's like, no, I told you, I'm still deciding. He's like, yeah, the fence is mine. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Amazing. So, yeah, like I said, we could probably continue this for hours and it would still be gold. This has been amazing. Thank you again yeah. for being here. Something I always like to do, um, if you're open to it, I like to give you an opportunity to, like, if there's any asks or challenges that you're facing that you could ask anybody or myself. Hmm. So I'm new to Arizona, and the cha and a new dad. So the challenge that I have is creating the space and time to build not just connections from a business perspective or, or even a networking perspective, I've found that, but to find adventure with peers and friends. So mm -hmm. whether it's you, whether it's somebody tuned in, uh, I wanna go do some awesome stuff here. You know, I don't know the area too well yet, and I wanna learn more about what's happening out here, what kind of radical adrenaline junkie fixes I can find, and to do that with peers and good friends. I'm sure you and I can get into some, some yeah. really awesome stuff. Uh, but I invite, you know, if you're listening, I invite you to reach out. I'm, uh, I'm an open book. I like meeting new people. I also like doing cool shit. So that's part of my ask and part of what I'm excited to do more of. Now that uh, little man's a little stable, I'm feeling comfortable in the area. I'm, I'm eager to do it. Yeah. I got to meet the little guy too. That was <laughs> he's <exciting>. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> little bright eyed kid. Yeah. He looks like he's got a lot of life in him. He does. Yeah, I'm lucky. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, anything else you want to share? Like, how, how can people connect with you? You got you, you throw retreats. You got your mm -hmm. coaching company. Do you want to share anything more about that? I'll just tell you a little bit about how you can find me uh, between Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. Those are where I'm most active. My name, Aaron Velke, is the easiest way to get to all of those. The company name is Get Out of Your Own Way. So if you're stuck in your own way, we've got retreats that we host. The next one will be in July in Sedona. Sedona's awesome. Uh, we'll have some in the fall, but I don't have a schedule yet. If you are at a place where you are plateauing, feel stuck or burnt out, and want to talk to us about our coaching programs, you're welcome to reach out to me. Just send me a note. You can go to the website, areyouinyourownway.com, and learn more about us. Uh, but I'm here to serve and help, so if this is connecting to you, send me a note. That's the like. Leave a comment somewhere. That's the best part of this kind of share is is finding out who it connects to and it doesn't always happen in a public sphere but i really appreciate even the, the small subtle messages that are, are maybe behind the doors that someone may say hey man that's that's my story too or or what have you so know that i'm an approachable human being i'm not above you i'm not ahead of you i'm just on the path with you so mm -hmm. if either of us can be of service reach out that's what we're here for yeah good stuff man again thank you for being here appreciate you and Till next time. Yeehaw. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Alrighty, my friend, thank you so much for listening to that episode of the Just Grow podcast. Truly appreciate your time. Know your time is extremely valuable. So to spend it with the Just Grow podcast, we truly appreciate it. If you did get value from this, make sure and share this with at least one friend that can get some value out of this that can help improve their life in some capacity. Uh, with that said, make sure and head over to justgrowvisions.com. You can join our free Facebook group where we go live every Wednesday night where we have this very systematic structure and framework on how to craft a vision, get very clear on what you want, then turn it into reality very quickly. It's a really cool process. We've helped dozens of clients and now we have a free Facebook group where you can plug in every single week and just learn how we're doing this and then connect with amazing like-minded individuals. So thank you for listening to this episode of the Just Grow podcast. Make sure and share this. Appreciate you guys and we'll see you on the next one.